This episode of The Blur Mob contains explicit language. While we want everyone to enjoy the show, sometimes we may say things that are not appropriate for all ages. So, in other words, mom, dad, granny, we cussing. Discretion is advised. King G. Grossite ENT. <laughs> Rock with it. Rock with it. Rock with it. Rock with it. Let me, let me pop my shit. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me pop my shit. Hands up. What's up, y'all? And welcome to the Blurred Mob, your hub for all things black and nerdy. I am your host, Foop. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other streaming service, make sure you hit that follow button so you can get updates from the mob. Today, we're going to be diving into the Witcher Netflix series. So joining the mob today, we got my boy McMillian from Gurn Otaku Council, and we got my boy Ryan. So what's up, y'all? What's good, everybody? What's good, everybody? Oh, no. No, what's up, audience? <laughs> what, what's good, McMillian? What's good, Portia? What's good, audience? Oh, man. I thought she was Everybody trying, I thought to, she was trying to be the podcast favorite. <laughs> Not when it takes three takes to make it work. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So how I want to get into this, guys, is I want to start with a retrospective on season one. Then we're going to move into um, season two, talk about what we're expecting and what we want to see from it. And then we're going to end off with Netflix's season seven season plan for The Witcher. So, um, one, I want to say that I'm very excited that you guys are joining the conversation today because you two are the biggest Witcher fans that I know. And for me, my introduction to The Witcher was the series, as I know that Ryan has played the games. And Jay, you've played the games too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm really excited for like, I guess for me to learn more about the lore based on what you guys already know. And just to see like our difference of opinions from where we first got introduced to The Witcher to what we're expecting going forward. Mm-hmm. So. For season one, season one premiered December 20th, 2019 on Netflix. Like I just said previously, that was my first introduction to The Witcher. And for it to be my first introduction leading up to me being very excited for season two and to even dedicate a full podcast episode to it, I have to give Netflix's kudos. I think it did a great job laying the groundwork for The Witcher, um, exploring the main characters us learning their desires, their traits, their flaws, um, and just enjoying the buildup in the story that they were exploring. With um, this being a fantasy-type show, and my only other example of it being Game of Thrones, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And I'm looking forward, if they choose to do seven seasons, which we'll get into later, I will watch every season of this but what i would like to do for like the retrospective portion i want to do like our favorite moments or pieces because we may not remember every scene from season one you want to pull like a specific thing that they did that you like 
And then I want to get into our worst moments or pieces from season one. So for me, I have a couple, but I do want to touch on the ones that basically settled the series for me. Like, I'm in it to win it. And it has to start with episode one, where Geralt fights Winfrey and her gang of bandits. The sword fighting choreography of that scene, beautiful. And I have to compare it to Game of Thrones because it's the only other fantasy live action show I've seen with Game of Thrones ending early 2019 and this dropping in the winter. That was my next introduction or the next time I saw sword fighting choreography on that level. And I have to say they did a really good job of it based on what I've seen. I was not disappointed. And it was like, okay. I can I can fuck with this. I can go and watch season, not season two, but continue with episode two and the rest of the series. Because sometimes I watch episode one of a series and it's just like, I'm not about to watch the rest of this. But it sold me for the rest of the series. The next thing that really sold me on the series and Ryan and McMillan, you guys already know this from like our previous conversations of the Witcher is that the mages, I love the mages in the Witcher. So to start, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk about Yennefer's time in Eratusa, the explanation of the magic and from most series or franchises that I've seen that use magic their magic doesn't really come at a cost. They can use magic all day, whenever they want to. One other cost may be like their emotional state, but they really, they can just use magic freely. But in The Witcher, they do a good job explaining the give and the take of the magic. That yes, you can use these spells, but it comes at a cost. And the cost is very personal at times to get into one example which was like one of my favorite scenes is that um Tessaya or Tessaya I can't remember her name but the teacher Yennefer's teacher mm-hmm. is training Yennefer as well as the other ma- mages in training about the give and take and one of their exercises was to bring this flower this dead flower back to health so this one girl she does it And she's so excited, like, oh, my God. And everybody's crowding around, like, oh, my God, you did such a great job. And then immediately after that, you see her hand shrivel up like a Dementor. And then she just starts freaking the fuck out. And I was like, yes. I think I loved it because even the smallest of magic, because it's not like if you do this big giant spell. You know, you're screwed. It's like even the tiniest of magic, bringing this little flower back to life could like really screw you. And I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, The last scene I want to talk about that sold the show for me is Yennefer's transformation. So when we first meet Yennefer, she's, you know, on her hunchback of Notre Dame shit. But it gets to where everybody's graduating and they're about to get distributed to the kingdoms to work. 
And she was originally supposed to go, because of her potential, she was originally supposed to go to one of the high, um, the well-off kingdoms. But they found out that she was part elf, and then she lost it. So Yennefer was like, screw this. I'm going to go get it my own way. So she goes to the little witch doctor, and it's basically like, yeah, make me sexy. But I know, like, saying makes make me sexy sounds, like, very minor. Mm-hmm. To what actually happened? Because yeah, <laughs> it was oh. like it was like make me sexy, but the way that they the scene went out, I was like, girl, I don't even know if this is worth it anymore. Because <laughs> she goes to the witch doctor, and the cost of her becoming more desirable in appearance is that she has to give up her ability to have kids. And with it being the Witcher and it being magic, half of you. I had half the mind to think that he was just going to, you know, feed her some potion or do some spell and she can't have kids. No. They, the process of him going up in there, ripping out her uterus, performing this whole witch doctor, physical witch doctor type transformation. Like she's hollering and screaming the music, the intensity of it. I was like, if this is the type of stuff that I'm expecting for the rest of this series, I'm down with it. Like they are not shying away from anything in the show. To show Mm -hmm. this from this part alone, I know that Netflix has put all of their eggs in the basket on this one. So that definitely sold me on the series. And then we see the same type of stuff going forward. But those were my big things for season one that really sold me on it. What about you guys? Um, so what drew, drew me into season one was, of course, like I aforementioned, is that I played the video games. And being that when you're introduced to a property like this, of course, you go in a little hesitant, as we've all known. We've seen a lot of um, remakes, reimaginings of different movies, TV shows, games, and you're a little hesitant. But literally in the very beginning of episode one, when you see Geralt fight this Kikimura and the investment that they put into the CGI's, the way that monster actually looks scary. Like you mentioned earlier, like the actual fight scenes, like even seeing girls fight a monster, like you got to realize what goes behind the scenes when an actor has to fight, like probably a green screen or animatron, like mm-hmm. the investment that they put into that and for it to actually look scary, look like an actual monster, it drew me in. Because essentially with The Witcher, Geralt is a monster hunter. It's a fantasy world. Geralt is a hybrid mutant monster hunter. That's what a Witcher is. And for them to show that scene, show him using the potions, I can't remember if it was like a cat eye potion or whatever it was, seeing how it affects the body, that drew me in. Mm-hmm. I was like, they are going, they're staying ten toes down behind this franchise and franchise and bringing it to life. And I that's like what drew me in. I like the fact that they didn't just stop at that one monster. Because you know how some franchises, they do one big monster. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think Netflix, like you said, they invested their time because the monster that we see at the beginning of the series, that's not the only monster we see in the detail 
that they went into mm-hmm. creating these other monsters. I loved it. Because we also saw that ghost. It was a Striga. I think that's yep. how you pronounce it, a Striga. Mm-hmm. But they had a genie oh. too, the Striga, and they had some, um, mm. the dragon. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but they didn't, well, they didn't really fight the dragon. But yeah. They didn't so fight the though. dragon, yeah. but I guess I'm just trying to get at that they did explore other creatures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in Witcher lore, now I haven't read the books, so I do want to go back and read it, but the games, there's a lot of monsters, and the witchers have to have different strategies for fighting them, and I like that they introduced all of that in that very first episode. And the scenes that you mentioned, that was probably the most intense scene for me, was Yennefer's transformation, because it shows just how much of an, how much of an effect magic can have on the entire world. And also, it shows how brutal um, a sorceress's lifestyle (laughs) can really be. Because another another thing you got to pay attention to, a lot of the other female female wizards also did the same thing. A lot of them went through that to make themselves beautiful. They've been introduced to magic. They have these arcane abilities. And they said, you know what? Make me exactly what I want to be. Okay, sacrifice having a child. Like, The Witcher is high fantasy, but it's also dark fantasy. And that scene, Mm -hmm. for you you to say that that's what you want to see more of, you're going to see more of it. If we go back to the animated movie for The Witcher and seeing how witchers become witchers, Mm -hmm. the world is dark. And that scene really did draw me in, too. And also just the the last scene that really drew me in was the Jin scene. Now, of course, it's a little bit of, um, I think it's still, people are still, like, contemplating what exactly did Geralt tell the Jinn? But essentially, it was basically along the lines, I don't want to lose her. Mm-hmm. And then you'd go into this transitionary period where Yennefer's like, do I love you? Are we tied because you made a wish on to some little cursed genie? Like, that scene was very intense. And I don't know if it happened in the Witcher 1 video game, but for them to basically start it off as like, that is what starts off Yennefer and Geralt's long long love journey because it lasts for a long time well the witcher games oh just to give you some context the witcher games are Mm -hmm. after the books like they're they've been they've been around for a while like a long time basically by the time we get to the games so that's even more awesome because if you play the games you see jennifer and girls journey they love little situation go last a long time and to know that that's how it starts they're basically bruce Mm -hmm. and selena but but high fantasy Mm Yep. It was it was really it was really it was really intense. It was really intense and I love that about the series. I like that they pull on heartstrings. I like that there's some violence. I like that there's some dark fantasy. And those are the scenes that pretty much drew me in. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely watching all seven seasons. Heck yeah. <laughs> what about you, McMillian? Uh so you guys touch on obviously like a lot of the popular stuff. Um so I guess I'll go down like one, the Striga fight I think is what really brought me in like hooked me like necessarily the first episode was very good uh still showed me like a lot of the things i liked about the witcher such as the combat the never knowing who to trust type of situation with Geralt being like i'm part monster people see me as like all they only want me around when they need me necessarily so it was good to see that that was like staying true to the roots of like the characters and stuff like that and the world but like that sugar fight it being an unorthodox type of fight, the fact that like this trigger already killed a witcher, um, 
and D- Geralt might be in trouble. And he actually did research and figured out, okay, what exactly is this monster? And what do I mm-hmm. need to do to not only protect myself against it, but make sure there's a decent ending for everybody? Because the trigger was basically like a cursed child. And he was just basically yep. like, I don't want to kill a kid. So I got to figure out how to make sure it happens. So they had to fight that thing all night. And that was such like a dedicated like scene to that whole thing. Such a good one. Um, besides that, I liked um, how they got the elven prejudice into the show. Because in the world of witchers, elves are kind of like... And it's really interesting because in most fantasy stories, elves are seen as like sacred. But in the witcher universe, they're almost like seen as like less than... Or, uh, you know, like people are racist against them. So they try to wipe out elves a long time ago. And it's like kind of woven throughout the Witcher universe. And so when Geralt was hired to kill that uh, that goat guy who he thought was a different monster. And he was like, this is just yeah. a dude that looks like a goat. <laughs> <laughs> you had like this whole like funny situation that turned out to be like bigger than that. Because it was like, we are these outcasted people and we just want to live. And you got humans after us and all this other stuff. Like all we want to do is survive. Um, y'all basically hit, I think, on everything I liked about Yennefer's story, so I won't, like, replay that, but, like, the fact that magic does have a cost, I really like it, and to see how mages sometimes work around that cost, like, um, and the big battle at the end of the series, you had that, mm-hmm. that battle mage, whose his whole thing was just making more so like, making more yep. swords for that fight. Yep. Um, yep. and it was such a simple thing, but he had a, as you saw, he had a reserve, like, he couldn't do it endlessly. He had to like right. actually have those things prepared, and it almost and basically when he kept running out of them, he got well. It turns out he was evil. He but did run out. Well, yeah, he, yeah. He, I was like, it turned out that actually that was a fake battle, but still, like I I thought that was like, see, this is the consequence of relying too much on magic or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like the fact that they even even they they showed it for that I thought was um, interesting, and then oh another one. Um, that really I really enjoyed was the whole law surprise scene where you can actually get to see the origins of mm-hmm. why Siri and Geralt right that's her name Siri I'm yep. Siri yeah. yeah okay and why Siri and Geralt are like intertwined that was such like a fun yet frenetic and serious moment like because you're at a celebration of this uh princess getting married and then this dude who looks like a hedgehog is like that's my wife <laughs> and you're just like what is going on yeah and, it, it was just such like a fun yet like still serious moment, and at the end of it, oh, Geralt's like, oh, I just, you know what, law surprise, just like how you did it, and then it, it turned out, yes, yeah, got it. she pregnant, and it was like, oh, it was oh, no. hilarious <laughs> that I guess he just he just threw it out there because that's what everybody else was doing. I don't, he's like, I don't know, I don't know, law mm-hmm. surprise, and then everybody's like. <gasps> And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is your kid now, bro. Congrats. <laughs> I think it's, I found that scene funniest because of how it starts, where he's just following Yaskier to some party to be his bodyguard. And how mm-hmm. it started and how it ended, it was like, yeah, you really didn't sign up. You, <laughs> you did not sign up for this. Yeah, so I, I just, I, um, all those like scenes and the stuff that you guys mentioned is another reason why I'm looking forward to more of the series coming. Because if it, if they keep being, I feel like true to the this universe and keep uh, actually like putting forth the effort to make these episodes like frenetic and high fantasy with all the like because 
Ryan touched on it. Like, it's hard to pull off magic in a live action series. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime someone's like, oh, this game or this series that I know has like a lot of high action, high like magic type of situ- encounters and situations, I get real nervous when they're like, we're doing it live action. Cause I'm just like, it, it's it, like, you gotta, it, there's so much that has to be put into making this look nice and then making it polished. And they've seen, and they're doing the work to do it. Yeah. So. If they keep up with it, I'm looking forward to everything else they got coming. Yeah. Can I ask y'all a question? What's up? So, when The Witcher was first being announced for Netflix, the the term, they coined this term Netflix's Game of Thrones competitor as avid lovers slash haters of, you know, season seven and eight of <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> we all invested time into it. Do y'all, based off of this season one, Probably just based off of season one of Game of Thrones as comparison, do you see The Witcher being a great competitor to Game of Thrones? Like, does it? Do, do you think as, it can survive that race? As a person who played the games, and unfortunately, I haven't. I don't have the time to read the books, just as folks said, life be throwing hands. Life be on it. <laughs> um, I, but basically, as a fan of the video games, I think it could, knowing what I had to play. Like playing as Geralt alone, I know that this world can be just as brutal if not more so than game of thrones this world has mm-hmm. just as many stakes and but also has in my opinion has more interesting plot lines because you have the creatures such as this now granted game of thrones probably had like has more magic has magical creatures and stuff like that but yeah they the game of thrones seem to be like a, the end of an age that of like magic monsters and stuff like that like dragons yeah. were basically almost extinct and then the white walkers were like the last great big you had like monstrous the worshippers of the the red priestess or whatever you had them but you didn't have a lot of lot of them yeah so like knowing what i know of this series i feel like it could potentially be that game of thrones contender uh because of all the stuff that could be put into the series and everything that could happen before so Yeah. yeah ron dropped off but Mammalian is still here because I thought it was about about to do that thing again. Um, but to answer Ryan's question, for me, I would say I think it can be a competitor. One, I would say this for Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones had a good run until they ran out of book material. Mm-hmm. The fact that The Witcher, um, has eight books in the series as well as the video games that extend beyond the book series. I mm-hmm. definitely think they have enough material to keep this series going. I think if I know they want to stop at seven seasons, but even if they wanted to go past it, I think they could. The other point that I wanted to make of it being a contender is the fact that they made nightmare of the wolf and because they did nightmare of the wolf mm-hmm. and because the story did not connect to the series just goes to show you how much lore they have that they can pull out a piece of the lore make it into a movie and still continue with a whole separate series Mm -hmm. yeah so i definitely think that this can be a contender and i think this could be a very good contender if they continue to stick with the book material because even though i didn't finish the book i did get i made a little dent in it but the first chapter of the book is the Striga encounter. 
that's the first chapter from the book of Geralt going through that mm-hmm. whole thing, not wanting to kill a kid, like getting that insight into his character. And the other thing that I wanted to touch on from Macmillan's spiel is that in Nightmare of the Wolf, you we see that the witchers are money hungry. And they're so money hungry that they're making monsters to keep their income. But then you see Geralt, who, yes, I've been given this job to kill this monster. But when he faces the reality of it, like with the goat situation, yes, I'm getting paid to kill this goat monster. But then when he found out what it was, he was like, I'm not about to waste my time with this. Or I'm not that kind of person who would just kill you just because I want the money. Like, mm-hmm. this didn't turn out what they said you were, so I'm just gonna... And he left them. He let the guy live. And even the thing with the child, with the Strigger child, he was like, I'm not gonna kill a kid. And D, she was a monster, and she gave him a run for his money the most of the night. He did not give in to that um that urge to just kill this monster because I am a monster slayer, and this is what I do. Mm-hmm. It it kind of falls into that trope of how everybody sees Geralt as a monster, but in real life, he has a strong sense of morals and ethics, and he's not mm-hmm. an evil person. I mean, I think he don't care about destiny, but yeah, I mean, I think of that's probably like one of the strongest things as far as the witch is concerned is like um the center of the story is like this character who's seen as a monster, but in reality, isn't everyone just slightly a monster depending on the circumstances? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So to get into the worst moments or pieces from season one, I only have two. Um, and they're not scenes because I cannot pinpoint a bad scene in this series. But I do have some moments where I wasn't fully interested. And it has to do with all of the segments that surrounded Siri. Like, I understand what she's here for and why we're being introduced to her character. But I will say that all of her scenes were not very exciting to me. I won't say that they were the worst scenes throughout the series, but they were the least interesting for me. That if they were not jumping between her story, Geralt's stories, and Yennefer's story, that may have turned me off from the series if we had to watch a full episode of Siri. Hmm. Because of the way the her her segments went. That would, probably would have turned me off from the series. My second thing is that the fact that they were exploring different timelines. So from episode one to the episode where you get the origin of the Law of Surprise, I'm thinking that everything is happening on a unified timeline until we get to that episode. And that's when because the queen of, I can't remember the kingdom, but Ciri's grandmother dies early in the series. And then we get to the Law of Surprise episode, and then she's back. And then it's like, okay, there's some time travel stuff going on. But you would never known that until you got into that episode, and it really throws mm-hmm. you for a loop. Yeah, I think that was... So... Uh, not to take it away from you, but that was also one of my things. So, at, like, mine too. It, well, I don't think it was bad. It was just like I felt like there should have been more of an inclination that certain right. things were happening in the past. It should have been more obvious. That's my thing. Yeah. 
Because once you figure it out and once you figure out that they're exploring different timelines, okay, cool. Now I understand that everybody's on different timelines. But the fact that this wasn't made apparent when we first started watching the series and it's, you get like mid-season and this is really, mm-hmm. really solidifies that we are traveling on three different timelines. It's like, okay. So now I have to wrap my head around that we're on three separate timelines and try to separate the stuff that I've just seen in these past couple episodes. Yeah, so... Yeah, I just think, yeah, like it said, it should have just been a more obvious or something. Like some, there should have been more of an inclination, even if they had to put text yeah. up. Granted, the I think the screen I, got a fade or some smoke. I think yeah. it would have took away. Something. So that was something I was thinking about. My, I would have loved if they made it a bit more obvious that we were tr- exploring different timelines. However, I am not sure how they would have done it that would not have taken away from the series. Because I I, I think it would have been weird for me to be watching because we've seen The Witcher Season 1. Now imagine you watching The Witcher Season 1 and every time it flips to Ciri, Yennefer, or Geralt, this big blob of text pops up at the beginning of the segment. And I had to really think about it and I was like, I feel like that would have felt weird to me. I think it would have depended on maybe how they did it. Not saying like necessarily every time, but I feel like there could have been a better way to go about like the switching timeline. But I will say this: I do somewhat agree with you. This is why it's like such a small thing on my like dislikes, because when I got to the episode where we where the party for series mom, this that's when I realized we were on two different timelines because I was like, oh, 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 and I felt and I was like actually. And it was a good feeling to be like, okay, all right, I see what's going on, basically, telling the corporate story. Because when we get to, like, the actual invasion of that kingdom and you see Geralt was there in the basement, like, the dungeons all the time, I was like, this is dope. I like the way it, you know, when it came together at the end. Yes, mm -hmm, I agree with you 100%. Like, I was like, this is is dope. Like, but at the same time, I know a lot of people who, when they watch a show, sometimes they just turn off, like, their brain or, like, they don't necessarily, like, hit up on different stuff so that could be very confusing for certain people so i was just like if there was maybe a way i feel like it's hard though like it's such a hard thing if maybe there was a way to do it i can't think of the best way they could have did it but i 100 percent agree with you despite that slight like if you're not paying attention it would just you would Mm -hmm. miss it entirely but the way they i would the way they made up for it when they started unifying all of the timelines into one, I was like, okay, I like this. Also, also look at the fact that we live in a generation of binge watching to where you can watch all 10, I think it was, episodes of The Witcher in one setting. If we was back in the day when you had to wait each weekend to see a new episode, it would probably take a lot of people a lot longer to even realize there's true. time skips. Yep. And even in terms of the best way to display it, I see the blurt blob of text issue, but at the same time, I've seen movies and series where it's just like, ah, fade into a grassland and rolling hills and at the bottom, Siri, year XD51. Anything Mm -hmm. as subtle or as small as that could have been enough because when I watch The Witcher, and this is my only complaint, I'm not going to say it's a perfect series. I can understand like your sentiment with the um, Siri portions being a little boring, but I also understand as a longtime fan that 
this is an introduction season. Like this right. season is basically setting the foundation. So and I that wasn't my, that. and that wasn't a big complaint for me. Cause like I said, I understand yeah. why we are exactly. seeing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're just, they're establishing everything, but, it, but my only complaint is the fact that once I realized it was time skips, it was still hard to realize at what point are we in the present or are we in the past? What's going on right now? Like right now, what's going on? Oh, technically, we're post the Jen thing with Siri. And, I mean, not Siri, Geralt and um, Yennefer. Technically, we're post. We're past that. However, we're going back to see how all of that was initiated. And it was really difficult to keep track. My first watch. I'll recommend for anybody watching this, if like maybe you're just a, a someone who likes to be spoiled, watch The Witcher twice. Because it was my second watch where I was really yeah, I able to appreciate everything going on. It, that, it was my second watch where I was able to appreciate everything that happened and really keep tabs of, oh yeah, this is where Siri was born. And blah, 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 blah. This is how these, these scenes are attached. Geralt was at the bottom of the basement during this scene. I feel like The Witcher Season 1 is something that you have to rewatch twice. It's not one of those things where you can watch it, wait a few months and see Season 2. You gotta rewatch it. Because I, those time skips confuse the hell out of me. I want to touch on what you were saying about the fact that the binge, the binge yeah. watching. I want to say maybe that was a risk that they wanted to take because you could binge watch it. And because with them releasing everything at one time, you could just rewatch the series at leisure to understand it. So I maybe that was a risk that they were taking that, yes, maybe the first run through, you won't understand, excuse me, us switching timelines. But you always have the ability to go back and watch it again. It's not like, like you said, when, if this was releasing like every week, if you don't catch it at that time, there's no telling mm-hmm. when you can rewatch this episode to actually understand what really went down. Unless you had, you know, your fancy direct TV where you could record the episodes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. had you missed that time slot, that was it. Or if you watched it and you didn't understand it, there may have not been a time for you to leisurely go back and rewatch it and understand what you just watched. So. That may have just been a risk that they took because of the advantage they have of being able to binge watch. Right. Yeah, and, it, think... and it wasn't that it was just bad, badly executed. Like it wasn't horrible. It's just a little you had to pay extra attention. You couldn't get drawn away from the fantasy. You had to pay attention to this is a different time period. Let me take note of that. I don't know. And I think I would almost see that as a kudos. Like, for it to not be a series that I can just, you know, play on my phone and then get distracted by my phone and look at it and just like, oh, I understood what just happened. I didn't see any of it, but I get the gist of it. No, you have to sit down and watch this. If you get distracted for one second, if you blink wrong, (laughs) (laughs) you'd have missed the whole segment. So I would honestly give Netflix a kudos on that. It was well. I think, other than the fact that it can be, it could, it was, it could be confusing. I think it was well executed. I mean, like kind of what Ryan said, they kind of took the streaming to their advantage because I think mm-hmm. one of the good parts about a series is if you can go back and rewatch it and appreciate it more. 
It's just like with video games, you know, replay value is a thing. So, yeah, like I think they took advantage of the fact that this was on the streaming service, probably with not giving up the fact that uh, the time skip was like it. Well, the time, the two timeline, I should say. The fact that they kind of like played around with it and then let people not only take notice it, notice of it themselves, but also the fact that this is a streaming service. So you can legit go back and rewatch it and be like, I know things. Yep. And this is Mm -hmm. improving my rewatch. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. All right. So to step away from season one, let's get into season two. So season two premieres Friday, December 17th, 2021. It's slated for eight episodes. I want to go ahead and pull this out the bag. For the Marvel fans who enjoy (laughs) The Witcher. You're going to have to take an L. I feel like everybody's prepared to take that L. Because the streaming service, it'll be there tomorrow. The Spider-Man, the Spider- <laughs> it's going to be there, there tomorrow, tomorrow, but Spider-Man is about to put everybody in a chokehold. Yeah, no, that weekend is belongs to tomorrow. That That's weekend Spider-Man belongs weekend. to Spider-Man. So, but I, I'm, I don't see it as a bad thing. The Witcher is not competing with the Marvel Universe. They're in two separate Ooh. lanes. So, it's going to get its revenue one way or another, but the you guys, we're going to have to... Spider-Man is taking over. Um, but before we get into um, the discussion, I want to talk about the Season 2 trailer. So they released... It's two of them. They released one in September, and they released another one like a month ago. Mm-hmm. I just want to go straight fan kid of how they sampled Kanye West's monster for the trailer. That and it jump, fit really well. It fit. That jump was fire. Because when they did the intro, I'm watching the trailer, and they get into the intro where it's like, sacrifice your life. And I was like, Kanye? Monster? <laughs> I... And so I guess the series is focusing more of like the monster within instead of like the physical monsters. And I was mm-hmm. like, for them to be advertising that along with Kanye's monster song, it fit. It definitely drew me into the trailer. And if you weren't excited for season two before, I think this trailer solidifies the hype for it. And I also love the fact that when you're watching a trailer and you recognize the song, does anybody ever get like goosebumps? No, I love that. When you recognize the song that they're sampling in the trailer, it just makes the experience so much better. And another thing, you know what really hyped me for season two? What? The fact that they dropped the animated movie. <laughs> like, yeah. the fact that they dropped that animated movie and it was so well executed hyped me up from the, for season two. Because for like fans like you who are kind of like just being reintroduced to The Witcher, you and me was when you and me t- when you showed me the trailer, we was able to talk about how in the trailer they showed the tree of all the School of the Wolf medallions from mm-hmm. all the previous Witchers who failed the exam. Well, the trainee Witchers who failed the exam. Yeah, I like that they alluded to stuff that you saw in the animated movie because I'm gonna see it's the animated movie as a marketing tool for the live action series. Definitely, and it just looks more exciting. We're going to see some more Siri. I didn't see Triss in um, the second trailer, 
but it, it, it's going to hit. It looks that's like it's going was, to hit. That's what I was about to say. Is that it I looks like it's beginning? See who? I didn't see Tris Marigold in the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah, and no, it's Tris and, either. And yeah, and I and I like Tris because like what I was telling Portia like off camera is the fact that if you at least based off the video games, I haven't read the book, so I don't know how accurate they are. Siri's relationship with Tris is more of that of like a sister, while her relationship with Yennefer is like that of a mother and a daughter. Like Yennefer is almost like a mother figure to Siri. So for the fact that it seems like they're going to focus a lot more on Siri in season two. I wonder if they're going to introduce this Tris, introduce Tris and Siri's um, relationship in that season, or is it going to be more of a focus on developing that mother daughter situation between Jennifer and Siri? It looks more like because the it mother is an daughter interesting dynamic. It looks more like the mother daughter um, situation to me, based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. But one of my things was that what I wanted to see was basically the aftermath from the final battle. So basically everybody's mm-hmm. split up at this point. Like even in the trailer you see Jennifer with um the evil mage that yeah. was working for Nilfgaard. And then Sirius with Geralt. So it's no telling where everybody else is. So we could see Trish or maybe she's somewhere else that what what they're trying to explore for this season we may not get her. Yeah, I'm but, um mm-hmm. Oh, well, I haven't interrupted you, so you can finish. No, I was just going to say, coming off the trailer, it, it looks like we're getting more monsters. We did get a taste of seeing more witchers. I don't know if this is going to be another split timeline thing or a flashback or something like that, but it does look like we're going... Because to get into the synopsis of season two, to go ahead and put that out there, convince... Yennefer's life was lost at the Battle of Sodding. Geralt of Rivia brings Princess Cerulea to the safest place he knows, his childhood home of Kaer Morin. Mm-hmm. While the continent's kings, elves, humans, and demons strive for supremacy outside its walls, he must protect the girl from something far more dangerous, his myster- the mysterious power she possesses inside. So that's the synopsis mm-hmm. for season two. So, I... I forgot what point I was trying to make before, but I wanted to get the synopsis <laughs> out before <laughs> we got into the discussion. So the discussion that I want to have is that what are we expecting from season two? Even um, like the things that we didn't see in the trailer, or if there was something that you were expecting that when you watched the trailer, it confirmed it for you. Jay, does Siri go through official Witcher training? I yeah, basically. That's so. I mean, this okay. is supposedly, as far as I know, I believe this is like her beginning of her right. Witcher training. I what I'm and interested. Did she go through the full transformation too, or was that based off her powers? The way I, that so she, I thought she I don't know. didn't I don't go know. through the full. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought she didn't go through the full transformation because they were like missing some stuff, like yeah, and I. Yeah, they well they're unable to well the if you remember in uh the what is it called the movie, movie the wolf nightmare of the, the wolf wiz- nightmare of the wolf um the wizards who were responsible for making witchers no longer exist because mm-hmm. they were all they all got ghosts that was it that was it right um the reason but series training as a witcher is a little I, I don't know if it's different but I know I'm assuming it starts in this part because by witcher 3 she's a full-fledged 
actual like her own Witcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I I'm looking forward to see Siri learn how to control her abilities, but also like how Geralt handles being like a dad hunter. <laughs> yeah, a dad monster hunter. A dad yeah. monster hunter. I think that's interesting. So the reason why my answer to Ryan's thing about how they were going to go with the different relationships between the mages and Siri, the reason why I think they're going the more mother-daughter route with Yennefer is because that was the reason that Yennefer and Geralt basically split. Because Yennefer was on her whole I want my uterus back journey. And Geralt was like, I don't want no kids. Ha ha, surprise, you have a kid now. And I feel like, obviously, Did they touch the on person... the fact that witchers can't have kids? Yeah, no, so the, um, yeah. Okay. the one of the big things that that he said in, their, in the, the argument that they had was, where the reason, maybe uh, he said, maybe the reason people made us so we couldn't have any more kids because there doesn't need to be any more of us out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did say that. But I was just going to say that with him now being this father figure to Siri, I feel like the only person who would be appropriate to support him would be Yennefer. So. Yeah, I'm also interested to see, because they didn't show it in the trailer, I was wondering if Geralt's teacher is still around by now. Yep. Because so that's the first trailer. So the second trailer shows some witchers. But if you yeah. watch the mm-hmm. first initial trailer that came out in September, Vesemir is there. Oh, Vesemir. And, okay, so they do show yeah. Vesemir. Oh, Vesemir. So remember, he, Vesemir was alive in The Witcher 3, Jay. In the game. Yeah, no, yeah, no, but I was wondering, is this going to be when we meet him in the live action? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so when he, when they finally get to Kaer Morhen, um, Garrett explains that he wants to protect Ciri, and he's talking to Vesemir. And Vesemir is like, well, why does she need protecting, and who am I protecting her from? That was the question that he had. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be that that's the question that they're probably going to explore with Geralt and Ciri's relationship. Mm-hmm. Because you have this need to protect her, but you just met this kid. What are you do you understand what you're protecting her from? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't even none, no one understands her abilities yet, except maybe the people that care more. So it's going to be interesting to see that get explored as well as um what the whole aftermath of the Nilfgaard battle is going to lead to. Mm-hmm. Because as yeah. you pointed out, Phil, Yennefer is with the Nilfgaard mage, and we don't know what all that's going to lead into later. But yeah. And all that political warfare has always been something else going on in the background of the Witcher universe. Like, yeah, Geralt's like hunting monsters and traveling, but war and all that is very much widespread. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that bleeds into some stuff like why, how monsters come about and stuff like that, because People mm-hmm. end up making monsters to help end war or that starts a war or stuff like that. Because, like, for instance, a lot of people are confused. I think the the people who only played the games are confused at why Nilfgaard was an enemy in the first season because Nilfgaard in the games is, like, seen as, like, we're the most honorable, high society people ever. We don't, like, attack. Right. And then the, you get to season one and it's like, no, we we taking shit. We, we're here. <laughs> we but, are the bad guys. And the funny thing is, if you study history, that's actually how it always is. Like, the winning team is always going to say we're, like, these great people. But we like, have no, a they dark history. Mm-hmm. You guys like, were murderers. That's, <laughs> that's every country. But, like, what I'm really interested in, honestly, um, Portia, is 
And Jay, I'm really interested to see all these relationships being built. Because mm-hmm. we saw Vesemir and Geralt in terms of, for like a split second in the animated movie. I'm really interested to see their relationship. I'm really interested to see them build a relationship with Ciri because season one set the foundation for here are all these characters. And you see that Jennifer and Geralt have this little love thing going on. Now you're finna see Geralt's teacher, his new stepdaughter. You're finna see <laughs> other witchers. Now you get to see that dynamic between Geralt and these other witchers because it showed them all fighting. I'm interested to see a whole combat scene with multiple witchers for one. I'm eager to see that. Yeah. But just all the emotions and the bonds that may be built, the witcher universe is dark, Who the bonds that get destroyed, I'm very eager to see that. And it seems like Yennefer's story is also going on in tandem while Geralt is doing his stuff with Ciri. So I'm eager to see, like, what's she doing? Like, who you hate right now? Who you mad at right mm-hmm. now? Like, what's... Or what is you, or what, is I know it sh- even as simple as that? Because the position is mm-hmm. that she's in, is it really, oh, I hate you guys? Or is it where, yes, I despise you guys at first, but now that I'm inside the inner circle, do I start to feel sympathy or do I start to relate to some right. of the things that you had to do while working for Nilfgaard? I feel I feel like season two is going to be the season where we build a lot of bonds with our favorite characters or the characters that end up becoming our favorite characters. I feel like this is where those relationships between the audience and the characters get really established. Yeah. I'm glad we brought up Vesemir because that was one of my things that I was um, expecting because in Nightmare of the Wolf, we are introduced to Vesemir, but there are some notable differences between the Vesemir that we saw in the movie and the Vesemir that we're about to get in season two so i would like to see how they're going to portray vesemir in Mm -hmm. season two and as well as once we get a taste of who this vesemir is how does he interact with Geralt? Mm -hmm. because i would i want to if they go off how they did it in the movie with um vesemir basically coming out of the battle wanting to be better witchers, better men, is what he tells Geralt. Does that philosophy stick with the Vesemir that we're going to see in season two? And maybe that's what contributes to Geralt's character, why he is the way he is in season one. (laughs) Also, what happened to those other witcher boys that were with Geralt? (laughs) Yeah, that too. And I like that you brought up the tree. Watching the movie and dancing in the tree, it was like, ah, it's the tree. But yeah, <laughs> I, I like that I was able to make that connection with you guys because y'all playing the game, y'all know the tree. I didn't know the tree. I was been like, mm-hmm. okay, tree. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> like <laughs> tree. <laughs> and like for the audience, the tree is basically ah, all these mfs that died through those Witcher trials, right. a lot of. A lot of kids. I think that's that really ends. the tree has so much significance that you. I was glad that I was able to feel feel that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> other things that I was expecting, we talked about some of them, like the after effect of the battle, Siri's training into being a witcher. 
I also wanted to touch on the timeline thing. Um, are we going to be exploring different timelines in this season? Or are we going to be on a unified timeline and we're just, sometimes we're going to be on Geralt and Ciri's side of the timeline. And then sometimes we're going to be on Yennefer's side of the you timeline. Know, you know, at first I didn't even consider that there'd be timeline jumping because I was like, oh, they're serious with them now. There's no reason to. But now, as you pointed out, Yennefer is them are separated. So mm-hmm. there could be some timeline shenanigans with that if they wanted to continue that. But in my opinion, I think maybe for this season, it probably I think we might be working on a more linear type of scale. It yep. just just based off what I've seen so far. Now it could be different because, like I said, they did a pretty good job of uh, keeping that under wraps until uh, the final hour in the original Witcher series. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Just for this one, I don't. I don't think they're going to reuse that. I don't think so either. My only argument to that is there's a scene in trailer in the second trailer where. There's a group of witchers, and it looks like that they're battling Yennefer's ex boo thing. Mm-hmm. When does the question is when does that happen? Is this a flashback, or is this another timeline that they're going to explore? Mm-hmm. So, and 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 that's what I was hoping for because I I it looks more linear. I hope it's more linear, but being after seeing that scene and also with the fact that they show so many witchers. I'm am questioning is it just going to be filled with flashbacks because it's not that Gerald and Vesemir are the last two witchers, but it's very few, few. witchers. Yeah. And for them to have a scene, and I think it was like what it eight was like nine five. of them. I saw like five. I can't remember. It was, but it was my it eyes was don't to... my eyes don't work so well. Hence the glasses. It, I saw five. <laughs> it was enough. <laughs> it was enough to where it's like a dragon or whatever monster pop up. They could do some damage. They yeah. They could take down an army probably. So it's like, where did they come from? Or is this like a headquarters for all the very few witchers in the world? Is that a flashback? I hope that they stay linear, but I also hope know. that they stay linear. The reason why I hope they stay linear, and McMillian touched on this, is it's the way that season one ended. You can't end with this big battle, this big unified battle, and then come back at the beginning of a season, and now we're exploring several different timelines again it's like no i need you guys to be unified for at least two to three episodes to show me the aftermath Mm -hmm. of what happened at Mm -hmm. the end of the season and Mm -hmm. maybe i wouldn't hate it if they got to mid-season and they started exploring different timelines but i don't think i would care for it so i just hope everything does stay linear i think the timeline split in season one was just more of the introduction thing and introducing where everybody came from and understanding their characters through their past but now it's like okay now it's time to hit the ground running and you i think the best way for them to do that is to keep everything unified from this point on right yeah i'd agree um so the other thing what's up ron Looking forward to them more. Looking forward to some more monster fights. Not gonna lie, monster fights and um something that we already talked about how magic is hard to do in live action, but I do want to see more spells because the movie spoiled me. It is animated, but coming off 
Witcher season one and then watching the animated movie where Vesemir is like using fire and ice and all these other type spells. And it's like, okay, are we going to get that in season two? Because that would be that would be nice. You got mm-hmm. you got a piece of it. I think we saw Geralt and a little like another Witcher using the thing where they use their hand to make a shield. Because if you remember their hand. Oh, yeah. It's like the sigils are in, in I don't not embroidered, but somehow they're branded in there. So we did see those, and I would like to see more of girls' dynamics, because if I remember from the game, Jay, it's like wind, fire, pretty much almost every element wind, they fire, can brew. fire, force, something and like that. Was it, did they have ice, too, or poison, or some or something like that? Uh, it's a all, but I guess all I'm that's coming there, from, and the animated movie did a good job of showing that. I guess I'm coming from, because even with the new force field thing that he's seen, it's been, the effects look the same. If you see the the spells that he was doing in season one, and then even the force field mm-hmm. thing, it has that same type of look and feel to mm-hmm. it. I, so, which I suppose is like more the new, the new hotness, <laughs> right? To see the next big thing, the next big thing. You know what I'm saying? So, I get it. The animated movies for me, and I know there are limitations with live action because animation can do anything but it would be nice to see more Mm -hmm. so the last question i wanted to ask you guys about season two is what would break the season for you if this happened what would completely turn you off from season two i for them to say that they're doing seven seasons the one thing I would hate for them to do is mess up their pacing. I feel like when I watch a lot of different movies and series, a lot of them, it's, 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 it's not too difficult to replicate making good characters. Give them some depth, a lot of books to show you how to do that. It's not too difficult to replicate building an interesting world. High fantasy, anybody can honestly make a high fantasy world. High fantasy is a very common genre. But in a series like this, you have to pace it well. We got interesting characters. You got the lore. You got the history. You got fans from who probably only seen the animated movie. You got fans who read the book. You got fans who played the game. Mm-hmm. Don't rush and don't move too slow with anything. And that's kind of difficult. It's kind of hard to even give instructions on that. But I feel like pacing could be something that could mess it up. They haven't shown signs of messing up pacing. If those, like, yeah, the time skips could have been done better, but we also talked about why that was probably really good and played to their advantage. Mm -hmm. But I don't want them to mess up pacing. Let us build those relationships with these characters. Let us understand more about the world. Let us look at Nilfgaard and all these other kingdoms and their wars. Let us give us time to grasp what's going on and really let it marinate. You know what I mean? I totally agree. And I want to compare it to how they finished out Game of Thrones, like how they were very consistent and strong with the 10 episode seasons and then we get to the last two seasons of game of thrones and they basically just they limited the episodes and they tried to force so much into those episodes that it didn't feel genuine it felt rushed sometimes and it felt like and it felt like pieces of the plot were missing so i would definitely agree with that that for them to take their time with the pacing, especially if they are going to want this to last seven seasons. Mm-hmm. 
Y'all basically said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I think if they mess up the pacing and if they forget the what makes characters them, because mm-hmm. another big thing I think with Game of Thrones became the downfall is that characters in the final season or the final season the final season uh became cliff notes of their who they were built up to be right and we're making and started making mistakes that these characters that were built up for six seasons would not have made uh granted they probably won't do that within season two because like i said they're still establishing these characters but moving forward something that does worry me it would be like if they start rushing things because of the seven seasons or if they start uh, making characters like less than who they were built up to be over the course of this many of, of this these seasons or this long, but I think the fact that they probably have like a projected scope is going to help out with planning better. And um, at the at, because they have a defined probably stopping point, and so as long as they kind of keep their parameters around that, then I think we're good. Other than that, though, I think I'm kind of here for everything else. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't seem like they're wasting any money on this budget based on the season two trailer. Yeah, and I, they they seem like they're throwing more money at it if anything. So if exactly if they keep up with how much dedication they're doing to it, I think it'll be fine. But those are like the only things that could really, I think, deter me from enjoying the series. I had two things. My first thing was the pacing. My second thing was if the season loses its wow factor. So going back to what I said at the beginning of the episode, my first introduction to The Witcher was the series. And for me to not know anything previously about The Witcher and to be fully invested, it sold me. But I would hate to get to season two and it loses what sold me to the series. It loses that wow factor. That it's coming off the hype of season one. It's coming off the hype of this movie. And they don't put they're all into season two. Granted, the trailer doesn't look like that um, they're letting anything fall off. However, we do know that sometimes trailers can be misleading. Mm -hmm. So that would be one thing that would turn me off from the series if that it loses that wow factor or it loses my my interest. Because I want to say that's what happened with me with like Doom Patrol. Like I love Doom Patrol season one had me, and then I got the season two, and then it was like kind of like, okay. Granted, it picked up towards the end, but the way it started didn't give me that mm-hmm. wow factor that pushed me to watch season one. Mm-hmm. So the last and thing, what's up, Ron? I was gonna say in response to that, and I hope that if you were to lose that wow factor, it's the franchise's fault and that you're not interested in that material at the point versus how Netflix adapts it. Because even if you play the games, there's a lot of stuff that does come later. Like even in the Witcher two, you see a Witcher versus a Witcher. It's like battles Kings. I can't even remember. It's a very interesting dynamic. You see Witchers go against sorceresses and it's a very interesting dynamic. And all of those things that they get to explore upon, like which is probably going to come in like seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. And if you play season three, if you played The Witcher 3, the game, and saw these enemies that were coming after Siri in the game, it's, it's a lot. 
it's a it's a lot and i and i hope that if you were to like like that wow factor if something ever slowed it down for you and made you go like eh this isn't what it what season one was i hope it's because of the material because the material has so much left and so much lore that it mm-hmm. it got to get better i guess the other thing I would hate for the season to lose its wow factor, even though I could easily go read the books or I could easily go play the games. I'm pretty sure that I am not the only one who got introduced to this franchise through the series. And along Mm -hmm. with me, I would hate for this. I would hate if season two came out bad and it left a bad taste in other people's mouth about this franchise. Because you could, you can defend it. You can make a strong case to defend it based off the books and based off the movies. But it, the fact that you make a production of it and the production is bad, it it sets people back from actually diving into the content as itself. And we've seen it with the Avatar movie, the Dragon Ball Z movie, that maybe after watching these movies, they didn't want to get into Avatar at all though it's one of my other favorite franchises or they didn't want to watch Dragon Ball Z or even get into anime because this Dragon Ball Evolution movie was garbage. Mm-mm. Boo-boo <laughs> trash garbage. Don't bring that up. So it's That's just like literally the worst. Like these high productions have a really big impact on people's opinions on it. A very big example of this, and I'm very excited to talk about this. This is coming later. But the Arcane series, I don't know a damn thing about League of Legends. But after and that one, made me want to play it. But after that, one, made, no. that made me want to go and play no. it. As a public service announcement, just because you like Arcane, please do not play League of Legends. As a person who used to play League, I'm saying this. Yeah, I was told that as well. But I just wanted to get my point across that you can know little to none about a franchise in a production like this comes out and you're completely in love with it Mm -hmm. and i would just hate this early i would definitely hate it if this early they fell off i don't think they will but i would definitely hate it if they did Mm -hmm. so i want to move into the last part audience some foreshadowing portion (laughs) look out for that arcane video (laughs) we're gonna do a, a special episode on arcane I will not tell you when. So if you have not watched Arcane, you better catch up. You better get into it. But the last thing I wanted to talk about, and we've talked about this throughout the episode, is the seven seasons of The Witcher. So a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was several weeks ago, um, Henry Cavill made a statement that he was down, that he was in it to win it for... Netflix's seven season plan for the Witcher series. I, after hearing this news, I immediately called Ron and I wanted to ask the question. I was like, does the Witcher have enough lore for seven seasons? And based on this conversation, yes. And I, and back to my point before, the fact that they can make a whole animated movie that does not connect to the series at all. Hell yeah, they have enough um, lore to fill seven seasons. One, the fact that they're going seven seasons and there's eight books. And I've already brought up some of the connections between the book and the series that they have more t- more than enough 
and the fact that the games extend the books, they definitely have more than enough mm-hmm. to fill up the series. It, it's the fact, and here's here's the funny thing. As you read the books, even look at the Witcher wikis, it's the fact that the lore of the Witcher world is so big that even if they finish doing the book content, they could make prequels. They could make sequels. There's a lot in the Witcher lore. Like me and Jay, when we did that um off camera recording about um um Nightmare of the Wolf, just the schools of the Witcher, as a fan of the Witcher, I'm so interested in the schools. Because if you study the history of them, some schools belong to different kingdoms. Some witchers are legit trained to be more so assassins versus more so brute force um a- agile warriors like Geralt. And the lore of the Witcher itself is massive. It's it's a lot of information out there. So seven seasons just on Geralt, just on Ciri, just on Triss and Yennefer. And I'm waiting for dude to get the name Dandelion. I don't know. I don't know if that the it's, name yes, Dandelion. You're calling, if you're referring to the bard, his yes. name is Yaskier in the series. But I, as some, I think Dandelion is his nickname at some point, and like that's from the game. I so I don't, I don't know when it happens. I don't know if it's going to happen or if the game just made up some stuff. But it's a lot. It the the Witcher lore is very expansive. It's very wide ranging. If Netflix, if they wanted to, could say after these seven seasons, we want to just go do Vesemir's lifestyle. We could find a random Witcher in a whole other side of the the um kingdoms from a different school if they wanted to mm-hmm. so seven seasons if they do it right more most definitely most definitely they could definitely do it yeah you you on board with that mcmillian oh i you know it yeah yeah i, I was like <laughs> the only reason i was saying anything is because i was like look as a person who's played the games they definitely have enough yeah, since the games continue past it but i was just saying like if if this is just a book content, cool. If they wanted to make like Ryan said, there's enough lore for them to probably even like extend or go behind and make like their own like series that is canon within this universe. If they wanted to, if given the permission of the person who made these books and this universe, they definitely. I feel like there's definitely enough out there information out there for them to come up with a story all their own. Mm. So yeah, I think seven seasons for Geralt. And Siri, I think that's totally enough. Yeah. The second thing I wanted to get into, and Ryan kind of answered, but of what we would want to see in these seven seasons going forward. And my big thing is just use the material that exists. Even if you don't want to use all of the book material, there's still the games. And there's still the wiki that has stuff outside of that. I think the thing that ruined Game of Thrones, let's start with the fact that they ran out of books in season five. And they basically had to freestyle for the remaining seasons. And I think it worked well for season six. And it completely fell off. It They failed. To me, I feel like they failed for season seven and season eight. But with The Witcher being established as it is, 
we do know that franchises do like to switch around things that's originally included in the lore. We see it with the comic book movies, etc. But at least use it, continue to use it as a base mm-hmm. going forward. Seven seasons is a lot. A making a continuous and continuous universe and having these stories all play into each other is a lot of work for the writers. So I just hope that they use the book material as a base to tell these stories that they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, from what I've seen online, most of the people who have read the books or are a fan of the books seem like that these are pretty faithful adaptations. Mm-hmm. They say, I think, I believe like most of the first season covers like partial book one. And then like they said, there's some short stories that it also adapts uh, that lead into the first book of The Witcher. So I, I think we're um, part of the course of this being a faithful adaptation, unless things change in the future. But from what everyone who's read the book says online, uh, I think we're headed towards like a pretty faithful adaptation moving forward. Now, I'm excited, especially if they're going to consider this Netflix's competition to Game of Thrones. I'm very excited to see how this is going to play out. One, because Most they don't definitely. have the the pressure of releasing at the same time as Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is done. And they could learn a lot from Game of Thrones as they're developing the series. So I think at that end, they, they have an advantage on that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, what about you, Ron? I I agree. I hope I because I I never really understand what makes writers and producers when they're reimagining previously established content. I I never understood what made them detour from the original content, especially if the original content was so good that it encouraged the adaptations and the live actions. I never understood why. I don't know if it's arrogant. I could answer or that creative freedom. I mean, yeah, so, I could touch on it. I was reading but a why? book. I was reading a book and it's written by this guy who writes like screenplays for like HBO and stuff. And he was saying like how one of the first screenplays he wrote, he had to write it based off an actual event in US history. And he wrote it verbatim. But when he took it to production, it wasn't interesting enough. Like, yes, you Mm. told the story, but you didn't write it in a way that would grab somebody's attention if they had to watch this. So it's a balance of, for me, I feel like it's a balance of using the lore versus making something that's going to be entertaining for the people watching it. Yeah, sometimes in an adaptation of media, you can't, you try to enhance certain things to fit the medium. For instance, books, when, when adapting a book, for instance, a lot of, a book is mostly text, and a lot of times mm-hmm. you get the perspective of the person that very the story is telling. They're very descriptive as well. Yeah, they're very descriptive and stuff like that. And technically, most of, and when you're translating it to a visual medium, the descriptions aren't there anymore. They're on the screen, they're in front of you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, like, the settings are there. Like, if you read Game of Thrones, it's a heavily descriptive book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, moving forward from that, like, 
they had to change certain things. Now, for instance, um, I'm a huge friend. I can bring up another instance. Um, sometimes they change certain things to probably give them a better um, or heavier weight in this series or like try and enhance it. Like, for instance, um, I'm a huge image comic fan. Invincible's, Invincible is the second, my like second favorite comic book uh, story ever. Um, Amber, um, if you've watched the show, uh, Mark's girlfriend is a totally different character than she is in the comic books. And I feel like that was more to actually give her a character because in the comic book, she's just kind of Mark's girlfriend. Now she has like a couple of things here or there, but she's not really in, involved or invested as much as the other characters. And in the first season, she's a huge and almost basically like a huge part of the show. And so mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times it can also be to like make sure characters it makes it make the story better in certain cases because I've really felt like making her a more involved character was good, you know. Yeah. It, granted, I didn't. Granted, I'm not a huge fan of <laughs> Amber in the show, but she is a full realized character as opposed to her comic book counterpart, which was just basically like a cliff note, you know. Yeah. So some stuff they gotta flesh out a bit more, and some things they also have to change just to fit the medium of what you know the respective thing is. That's also yeah. true. The the target audience. And they have to change things for that. Sometimes they have to change things to be socially acceptable. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, depending on when something came out, it could have a whole bunch of stuff. It could have a whole that... different meaning, or it could definitely turn off the audience that they're trying to target if they were to do this verbatim from the lore. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite franchises, Berserk. And Jay Jay's watched me fall in love with that franchise. That can't become live action. <laughs> no, it, it it could. It's just the th- there would there would be a trigger. Be. You would have to put a trigger warning before every episode. Like for instance, Magicians. A lot of people didn't think that was gonna that could be adapted into live action because Magicians doesn't pull its punches on anything. But mm-hmm. they put in the episodes that have like heavy tones. They put warnings there. Like I feel like you can make they a, did. I feel they like did. you can I think make they do that. that. Because yeah. even when they I, have, I feel like, like you can make. Uh, well, I just said quickly, so you can get to your point. Just you can make a dark series. It's just you gotta let people yeah. know what's in it, so that they right. know. Because you know, people people go through traumatic stuff, and they probably don't want to see it. Watch see those. You know, so that. you gotta give people like that the chance to be like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna step away yeah. or prepare myself. Yeah, step away or prepare. Yeah, because sometimes they don't. Like for instance, uh, not to bring up anime too much, Goblin Slayer. The anime got a huge bunch of flack for its first episode, and I feel like that's mostly because they didn't put a warning on what was going to happen in that first episode. I like it wasn't that. bad in terms of storytelling; it was just like, "Yo, what the f-? <laughs> like?" I was just gonna say, I think another example is even outside of the fantasy series they do these with other series that focus on like real people in real life they do put trigger warnings in front like if you mm-hmm. ever watched uh 13 reasons why euphoria um where they focus mm-hmm. on on like reality aspects they do put trigger warnings on stuff but i definitely agree with um mcmillian that sometimes it's just what you have to do Going from text to visual, there are some things that you have to enhance. It's like even going with like comic books, you have a scene that lasted this one square. But when you put it in a movie, sometimes you have to mm-hmm. let you have to drag that out for maybe a mm-hmm. minute or a minute and a half 
just so it can have that impact the way it would have had that impact in the novel or in the in the comic. That's true. I'm but, just eager to see how they do it. I'm very eager to see how they do it. Yeah. Same. Honestly, I'm I guess I had never thought about like how many seasons could this go on. But now that we have this seven, that's a lot now that we have this this hard number, it's a lot to think about of what they could do in these seven seasons. I also think it like um helps depending on like how many episodes because I, I think that's the difference between like season with TV shows and a movie. You have hours and minutes with a mm-hmm. series. You have, uh, you have like, okay, you have your first season. It was really good. Second season, you get ten extra episodes because of how good the first season went. Yeah. So you get like, you know, stuff builds. So I feel like because it's a a series, they really can, depending on how much budget they have, take their time to flesh out everything. Yeah. So I don't mm-hmm. think I think as long as they're not rushing. Because that's what killed Game of Thrones, that they'll be fine. Yeah, and the cliff, and the thing that you brought up, brought up about the characters losing their individuality. So, yeah. that was all I had for The Witcher. You guys want to talk about? We touched on everything. I think. I think we touched on everything. I wanted to see. Yeah, nice. we touched on everything. I'm excited. Same. But like I said before, The Witcher Season 2 drops December 17, 2021. Um, After you watch Spider-Man and, you know, (laughs) get all of that and get all that that Spidey sense injected into your veins, make sure you check it out. Um, But that's pretty much it. For those watching or listening, make sure you follow us on social media. We are the Blurred Mop Pod on Instagram. That's at T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-M-O-B-P-O-D. You can find us at the Blurred Mob on Twitter. Um, if you search the Blurred Mob Podcast on Facebook, you should find us there as well as on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. But other than that, this is the Mob checking out. Peace. There you go. Hands up. If you love them where you at, stand ten toes down, shot they ain't no looking at. They don't look at me. You can let them haters hate when they answer where I'm smiling, I just tell them life's good.